Welcome to this episode of D20 Dudes. My name is Paul, and I'll be flying solo this week. Dylan has a bit of a belly bug, and he's not feeling very good. So I'm going to be taking control. Aw, yeah. All aboard the party bus. So, this week, it's not going to be a long episode, but it is going to be an important episode. One that I'm really interested in. And it's something I feel like has been a growing trend in the D&D scene for a long time. It's the importance of non-combat characters. Uh, Why they're useful, how they can be made viable, and honestly going forward how I wish Dungeons & Dragons would embrace more uh, of a general rule set that could encourage that kind of play. So, even though I listed it last, I guess we should actually really start there. Even all the way through uh, 5th edition of Dungeons & Dragons, uh, D&D as a system typically tends to lean very heavily into combat. You can take 20 different things to boost your character in some way or another, but at the end of the day, it is almost always essential, essential that your character have some means of being able to kill things good and make them more deader. It's just really how they want it to be. It's been consistent since the beginning, and that's very fair. The original vision of Dungeons & Dragons, very, I would say in that sense, straightforward. It's a fantasy campaign, uh, specifically about dungeon delving, finding ancient treasures and lost worlds, and doing that whole deep mystical investment, and I'm 100% behind that. But there are different approaches to that, which I don't think were very much considered uh, in the original edition, sure, but that was, I mean, that's we're going way, way back when we talk about that. I mean, even from 3.5 through uh, the dark periods of 4E that we don't talk about into the modern era of 5E, um, no matter how you develop those skills, essentially you'll get hard-locked into combat one way or the other. Almost... almost guaranteed. It's almost impossible to avoid it. So, I think that when it comes to a non-combat character, what what could I mean by a non-combat character, first of all? Let's say you have a, uh, well, actually a perfect perfect starting class. We don't even talk about subclasses. A perfect class would be a bard. Bards, by trade, can be uh, extremely subversive and use guile and treachery and quick words as more of their roleplay weapon than they could ever really stand to do in a combat situation. While bards are immensely supportive and incredibly entertaining, uh, given that you have like the right kind of bard player, not that uh, incredibly obnoxious kind of bard player, um, a bard player really tends to work best behind-the-scenes combat if necessary, um, an excellent example is that a court bard could be uh, exceptional at gathering information and delivering it for certain prices or to certain people of importance for um, character-motivated reasons, such as political reasons. A bard can be an exceptional spy, um, can be an expert assassin. There's no reason that you can't bed the target and then go ahead and behead the target in the same evening. Uh, There are so many amazing ways to play out a bard-style character, and yet I feel like it becomes immensely limited when it's sort of forced into the 
bigger combat scenario with the rest of the party versus uh, what it can do on its own. Non-combat characters are very distinct. Um, they're very, they can be very interesting if played correctly, if there's an idea there. Uh, another one that I've seen played that I'm a big fan of is the investigator concept. Someone who works tirelessly in, uh, you can develop the investigatory trait and then immediately divert. If you are a classic investigator, maybe you have skills specifically related to like history, arcana, all of these interesting little things so that you're very clued into world politics, or you can take a very direct route. Maybe you're an ex-soldier, which will give you some combat experience. You have investigation, but you'll have to go through, excuse me, you'll have to go through experts to have certain information assessed, to follow certain trails or leads. There's many different ways you could play investigatory characters, uh, a team of investigatory characters, a combination of characters such as bards, investigators, uh, rangers for tracking. You can create an elite team of specific skill sets and develop a campaign around it and do incredible things with it if you kind of have an idea of the approach that you want to take. Um, even sorcerers, with their incredibly wild magic, also have very specific magical skills that in a pinch allow that character to use both combat and roleplay at an advanced level that can do incredible things. Uh, your sorcerer is really not geared for combat, but is a given thief and maybe even has performance skills and is part of a traveling band as a cover and they'll rob from town to town. That character gets caught up and the guards have chased them to the end of a hallway. Well, that's perfectly fine. That character is going to take several small stones out of their pocket or the large nightstand next to them. They're going to catapult it directly at the enemies to distract them, jump out the window and use Featherfall, laying gracefully two, three, five stories down, and then they're going to book it into the night and what is anybody going to do about it? That's a sorcerer. That magic is instinctual. We can't prove that the guards have that magic. Why would they? There's always some interesting thing you could do with a more non-combat oriented character. Um, but I think it's something that you don't see given a lot of love from the D&D approach. Dungeons and Dragons, especially if you look at the official uh, created campaigns that they'll release every so often, they are, to their credit, they are Dungeons and Dragons quite literally to a T. It's the same beautiful system in that it's always been in that way, where it is a rich, fulfilling adventure, flush with gold, mystical creatures, ancient legends, uh, terrifying traps in old dark holds, and like all of these fun, great, classic Dungeons & Dragons things. Truly, like they, they live up to what they want to accomplish, which I imagine for many of the writers were the things that they grew up playing. So I understand. But go to Google. Just take five seconds, go to Google, and just... Throw in D&D non-combat characters, and you will be flush, flush with pages and pages and pages of people that are just so, so ready to take a new and different approach to what Dungeons & Dragons can be. And what I think a lot of that has to do with is the storytelling, the idea of the story inside their heads that they would like to see come to fruition, uh, which, understandably does not mesh with something in like a pre 
organized campaign about like an old sword that we need to fight ancient evil or oh there's uh tales of a dark orc war band in the forest and we need it dealt with by mighty heroes you know that's that's great but i think a lot of people including myself have been moving towards more smaller scale more interesting stories that are more focused in on less world ending uh issues or endeavors but still important you know i don't think there's any reason not to investigate a dragon cult i think that's perfectly interesting absolutely i think that sort of thing can be incredibly fun if you are sent into a town of influence and you have to discover through different means not you know pure intimidation extortion and cruel, malicious murder of multiple combatants, uh, these incredible stories. I would like to think that if the cult is going to come after you, well, if you're someone sent by the king's investigatory, like, chat, like if you're a king's spymaster, or if you're a king's guard, and you were sent to investigate this issue, they can't very well just start killing you, can they? That would kind of send a bit of a, a shockwave to the people that are investigating. That would be like, huh, that's a red flag. So I'd like to think that the response from the combatants, or quote-unquote combatants, the response from the uh, occultists in that situation would be more clever uh, and more in line with the thing that you're bringing to the table. Make it more of a staged battle of wits uh, in an endeavor against one another. I can understand the desire to still have combat involved, and that's absolutely fair. Uh, in a situation that's dangerous as that, I think it might even be inevitable, but it doesn't have to be the centerpiece. And I think that's very consistent with a lot of characters and a lot of character desires for uh, so many people when they want to approach Dungeons and Dragons. It, be it really becomes about the storytelling. Um, it, Dungeons and Dragons really has evolved from the pure, glorious days of really like an Elder Scrolls Oblivion game where you can just be walking down the path, see an imp to the side of the road, pursue it down an old cave, find a fun little mystery, lots of loot, maybe lots of traps inside. You know, like Oblivion, to me, honestly, represents old-school Dungeons & Dragons better than most any other game in history ever has. It really does let you take on the level of world-building that you want to see out of your own character. You make your own character choices. Uh, that game to me, even today, is still one of the most magnificent gaming experiences someone can have in their life um, just because of the freedom of choice and design that a character is given, which is so, so important. Uh, Dungeons & Dragons gives players the raw material, but only acknowledges certain ideas, I think. Um, but for good reason, I can also say so there are a couple of complications that come with the ideas of non-combat characters, and they are big complications. They're things that would require experience and cleverness to overcome. Uh, one major thing is, without combat, how do we detail experience? How can we grasp the concept of leveling, character advancement? How do we create you know, growth of our players when we can't even necessarily prove that they're doing anything outside of their typical wheelhouse. You know, I, I assume that 
punching things makes it easier because the more you punch things, the better you are at punching things. That okay, there I mean there's a there's at least some logic in that, I guess. Um but it's a little more difficult when uh your character has read a subset of books concerning mysterious creatures that have dark influence. Well, this might have a very different level of effect on your character outside of just giving them experience, you know. We can tell a very different kind of story if we're going to start pushing your character into certain forms of role-playing, if they'll be affected by this, if they'll come out the other side clean. You know, will your character keep their Cartusian mind and not give in to madness, or will they maintain a strong... Uh, or not give in to madness, or will they falter in their strength? Will they start to learn more about occultism? Is there a possible opportunity for them to develop into a mixed class the more they research things? Will they pick up skills along the way based in magic? You know, the, how a character can develop becomes so much more complicated when you have a non-combatant character in a non-combatant campaign. Uh, another major issue with non-combat characters is that they tend to operate best in small groups to no groups. A non-combatant character really only needs one or two other characters at any given time to be at its most effective. Any more than that, you can create a lot of complications. So a, a good DM would have to either balance a campaign uh, accordingly for a small group, or would have to be more willing to take the larger group and divvy it up in terms of its responsibilities, or divvy it up in terms of its conflicts. Um, you could take the dual-sided approach. You could have the subversive and the direct, and you could have the combat and non-combat character core groups, and you could have them uh, playing out different sides of the story which would be fantastic, but the sheer level of complexity that would take for something like that, I mean, it's it's outrageous. It's so difficult to even consider. Um, which so it would require an immense amount of planning from an incredibly uh, talented uh, dungeon master, and it would require uh, not just an interesting story, but it would require, because, again, we're focusing on investigatory characters in this particular example, uh, a massive, massive amount of detail layered throughout so that the characters don't immediately understand everything and close the campaign out ten sessions earlier than they were meant to because that can absolutely happen. Um, another big thing with characters is let's say you have a non-combatant character but it's a character of influence. So I've brought him up before, Diplomat Damon. Uh, love him or hate him, he was a wild man. And Diplomat Damon... Uh, literally was just, uh, he appealed to my influence of role-playing so well that he genuinely, completely derailed an entire side campaign for our sneaking characters who were going to have a jail heist and they were going to rescue these prisoners and they're this political prisoner and there was going to be this whole thing. And Diplomat Damon came in, used political influence, uh, an appropriate amount of role-playing, and some strong knowledge checks, and literally left with the prisoner, and it took about three hours. And <laughs> it completely killed multiple weeks, multiple weeks worth of, uh, of I think, planned, planned encounters and stuff. And it really, 
uh, I think it sort of left the table in, at a loss. Full credit to that uh, DM, by the way. I've never been happier that a DM was willing to play through something like that. He didn't tell me no. He didn't shut me down. But it, it definitely went uh, it definitely went a very different direction. So I think when it comes to a character who has that sort of sway, uh, being able to recognize what you can do with him, what you'll have to sacrifice with a character like that, uh, as a DM, if you have that in in your players group and you know that they have the potential to completely offset or discover certain things having specific means to counter them can be very difficult and you don't want to particularly like harp on a player just like just just focus on destroying this particular uh route for them if that's what they wanted to play it out as but it's difficult and that's where Combat is an easy solution. You would want to just go with the combat. The combat's simple. Oh, well, assassins, ha-ha. They've targeted you because you've been disruptive. Ha-ha-ha-ha. But if there isn't a good story reason for that, I'm not really particularly sure how that's going to be much better. Um, I think a mild level of influence is a great starting point. Uh, you know, a classic ex-soldier investigator, maybe he's an investigation, maybe he has, like, strong history, and he works uh, as a private investigator or a uh, private detective or police officer, like, you know, some whatever the story is, on the side. Um, because I, I, I do believe in that. I do personally believe back in the good old days of even in medieval fantasy, uh, there's no reason to think that mercenaries or private hires, or, like, such as enforcers... Uh, that they didn't have a place in that world. They absolutely did. Um, the idea of paying for a follower is extremely believable because it's extremely true. You could hire people for the means of defending your territory or investigating problems with that you've had in your life. That was absolutely a common, common thing. That was as common uh, in the medieval period as it was in the West in America in the 1800s. I mean, it's important to remember that Billy the Kid, one of the most notorious names in Western history, uh, was only notorious because he was defending the land of a person that had paid him to defend their land against a corrupt and brutal system of cattle owners that were trying to use uh, political favors to force out the competition. And when they did, uh, it became such an escalated war that everyone was pardoned because they couldn't afford to keep having this violence and violence and violence. they Everyone was pardoned, except for Billy the Kid and, like, three other people. Just just them. Just them. So his legend as a terror in the West really comes back more to, he was a guy that kind of just got screwed. But he was a guy that was also particularly singled out. He made a, he made a, legend, a legendary name for himself as being an exceptional combatant. But he did it because he was paid to defend the land of someone that he liked and trusted. And I think that's a really compelling story, a really interesting piece of history, but also a really interesting character concept that you can easily roll into something like that. Now, granted, that is combat-heavy, of course. It doesn't always have to be, but it can be. Um, but disputes and territorial issues like that are so interesting and can create such exceptional storytelling because they're very of their time. I think there can be some inconsistencies in a lot of campaigns that I've seen with what is and isn't believable for a time period. Like the assumption that just because it's the olden times, no one will care if someone's dead or missing is outrageous. 
It's outrageous. Our means to catch murderers have become much more adept, but the idea that no one will miss them or that they could never be discovered or anything, it's outrageous. There's just so much evidence to the contrary of that sort of behavior. And I think it's very important to be able to triple down on these things and layer those details in and layer these interesting story ideas and consequences in to a campaign because not only is it incredibly more fulfilling for the players of any kind, but it is exactly the kind of situation necessary for a character who is non-combat focused or at very least prefers combat as an end alternative. Like combat is the last resort on that character's mind. Uh, that's how they thrive. They need those details and they need those interesting story elements to survive on or they really have no other purpose. Uh, and I really do mean it when I say that non-combat characters don't have to be averse to combat always, but it's never at the forefront. It's never the first thing they do. Bards, to me, are just a perfect example. I just I want to harp on it again because this is an incredibly popular class. I can't tell you how many absolutely outstanding bard memes there are out in the world, but they all come back to the bard not being involved in the combat. It's always in every other way. It's always in the ridiculous seduction, the hilarious jokes, the selling out his captors for a better bit of gold, the... Uh, and, and using incredible conversational skills to completely blow something into his own favor. Uh, it's it's always such an interesting story when it's a bard, but it's never because the bard happened to have a rapier on him at the time. I've, I've never seen one, not one great story about a bard that happened that way. And I'm sure they're out there, don't get me wrong, but it's not what makes that character special. And it's not that... It's not the combat that makes a character special like that. It's the roleplay. It's always the roleplay. So non-combat oriented characters thrive on these fun, exciting situations where they're allowed to really see that character come to fruition. And it's something that I would really love to see in the future, um, both from DMs in a way that they can create interesting situations without forcing players into a certain uh, into a certain uncomfortable stance uh, in terms of what they would have to do. And I would love to see it come from Dungeons & Dragons itself. Because I think Dungeons & Dragons really, they give you what you need to make the character exist, but they don't give you what you need to make the character thrive. Uh, I really would just appreciate a more professional stance on that. A, a more professional reworking of the idea of how skills might be addressed, um, of the value that they can bring to the table. There's just so much more to this than uh, than just letting them, I don't know, have a couple of fun sentences and then being forced into another random combat scenario. Some games just aren't meant to be played that way. Some characters just aren't made for those kinds of games. And I think it's very important to appeal to what the heart of the players are I think that's always number one, because that's why we're here. It's for the story that we want to tell, that we want to tell, or have told to us that we can then develop or play with in our own way, address at our own pace and in our own way. So I, I think non-combat characters, I think they're a blast. Uh, I think you should definitely, definitely put a lot of consideration towards having one. You don't have to be very talky or preachy or persuasive. 
Non-combat characters don't have to be that. They can be very dry. They can be very direct. They can be very intense. They don't have to be random seducers of beautiful maidens and dragons and trolls and ogres or whatever's walking in front of them. That That's a very played-out trope. Not a fan of it. Uh, the non-combat character can be as dry as toast. They can be completely humorless. They can be uh, bitter, angry, jaded. They're, you can do whatever you want with it. But what matters most is that their skill set has value, and how you play them has value uh, in terms of the relationships you create and how those will affect your ability to uh, address or shift certain encounters later. So, I love them, and I think they need a lot of love, too. Give them, give them your, give them your respect. Give them a shot, and that's that's my say on it. So, thank you for listening to this week's episode. Uh, next week's episode with Dill Bilkle, all filled, all butter, and he's not so snotty, snooky. Uh, then I think we're going to go ahead and do our White Plume Mountain episode that I've been thrilled about and sitting on for a very long time. Very, 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 very excited. Uh, hopefully, Dylan will find all of the secrets inside of that beautiful cave because, boy, flippin' howdy, there's a lot, and I'm really excited. I really wanted to find the uh, the evil giant crab monster, so super excited. Have a good day.